look, before we get started, you know, I want you to know David and I go back a long way. We talk often and we have over the years, and he's been very encouraging about the Banking with Life podcast. However, he's always had one critique. James, it's too long. So I want you to know when he came in and sat down, we recorded some of the longest episodes ever, and it gave me great joy. Thanks for listening. In this episode, my friend David and I sit down and have a great conversation about his experience with the Infinite Banking Concept. David is president of the Infinite Banking Concepts, LLC. He's one of three directors of the Nelson Nash Institute, and of course, he's Nelson Nash's son-in-law. I had a great time. I'm sure that you'll enjoy listening. Thank you. Welcome to the Make Your Life Podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And listen, I always say, because it's true, that I'm pleased when people come into the studio, and I'm always excited, but listen, today, this young man flies in from Birmingham, Alabama. Now, we've known each other a long time. He's a dear friend. Um, David Stearns is with us today, and uh, we're going to shoot a couple of episodes. And, you know, thank you, David, for taking your time to fly out here and spend some time with us. How in the world are you? James, you know... I know you've been asking me for a while to come out here. And I'm like, I, David, I, come on. And I come up with a lot of excuses, but uh, I'm really glad I made it. Okay. I was sharing with you today in the car coming back from the airport that uh, I don't get out much. <laughs> I'm, I'm I get everything I need. <laughs> everything I need is within about you know 50 feet of my office at home. So uh, it's good to get out. And uh, you know, I love Texas. Uh, Alvarado is a great place. And you are, you are a very good friend. Thank you. And I really appreciate everything you do. Uh, appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate your consistent, honest approach with IBC. Well, I really do. Thank you. Uh, that means a lot. I appreciate you, your friendship. I love your wife, Kimmy. Wish you would have came. And uh, thank you for saying that. And I have been asking you to come out, you know, but he's like traveling all around the world and all of those. <laughs> so he squeezed me in between trips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, look, I kind of, um, I don't know, you know, how, I know that, well, I, if I go back, I know that you were, like, on our second or third episode, I think Nelson was mm-hmm. one or two, and then you're three, or he was one, you're two, and then three, but you, so you've been here before, right? but it's been a while, right? and lots of, uh, lots of things have happened, but, um, you know, really what I would like to do is just to really go back, you know, you and Kimmy and the Army and... Mm-hmm. Kim is Nelson's daughter, so David, of course, is Nelson's son-in-law, and of course, he's on the board at NNI. I mean, he runs the uh, Infinite Banking Concepts and becoming your own banker. You know, if you order those products, I mean, he ships them out, um, and and plus, he's retired military, uh, Army of One, and you know, I put the bio in the link because I can't do it justice. Um, but he's all around great guy, and I, and I really mean that. But I'd like to kind of go back because, you know, over the years going to think tanks, you know, he's spoken an awful lot of them. And are your talks – I know I'm asking you to start way back and then here I'm interjecting this. Are your talks available on the Internet that you've given at the think the, tank? The think tanks? Yeah. No. They're only available for uh, – our membership, our IBC practitioners. Okay. <clears throat> so I don't want to throw a teaser out there, but maybe you can come back and we can talk about, mm-hmm. you know, the tale of two fathers and things like that. Oh, yeah. Tale of two dads. Tale of two dads. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that one because that's, uh, 
you know, we'll get back to the starting point here about me and IBC and with Nelson and whatever, but let me just predicate this conversation by saying that that uh, my approach to IBC is not from an illustrative position, it's from a historical position, okay? I like to be uh, the, the, the person who says, you know, not only is this good, but I, I, I have a track record of showing why it's good. And I can show you the mistakes we've made, okay? Yeah. But it's, you know, I, I, I'm not an insurance guy. I'm not licensed. I'm not contracted with any carriers. Do you want to get licensed? I would love to get licensed. I'd love to get contracted. <laughs> but, <laughs> Whatever. But no, but Nelson, but Nelson and I agreed, you know, that, we, that I would focus on the, uh, the business side. And what I, what I really try to focus on is the consumer side of IVC. Okay, because you know, this, let's face it. Uh, if you're a, if a life insurance agent, you're in sales. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you got to make a living, so you you you're, you're pushing that that thing. So I wanted to approach it from okay, I'm a consumer of the product, and so how does the consumer, both the American and the Canadian consumer, approaching this? What are they hearing? What are they? What are they? What are they? How do they translate that, and what are they going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm trying to do it myself, and so my wife and I are doing it, and we have been doing it. And we've kind of like, you know, Nelson passed uh, in in 2019, and so we re- we really haven't bought a lot of product. You have an opportunity while you're in town since okay. <laughs> since, since Nelson passed, but we do have you know some things in underwriting now. But anyway, so my approach. To IBC uh, is as a consumer, and if if we haven't done it, then we then I don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so at the think tank, the this past think tank, the think tank is an annual IBC Nelson Nash Institute uh, conference meeting for IBC practitioners who are authorized agents, where we get together for a couple days and uh, we share best practices. We, we we provide support moral support for a lot of these folks we you know there's a lot of folks out there that need to you know to be told that you know you're not the only person that's doing IBC right. and it's you know you, you have to keep your head up and keep pushing forward so but anyway I, I get the presentation I gave was called a tale of two dads uh, and again it was from a personal perspective I lost my father uh, September uh, correction yeah September of 2021. And uh, he was uh, he, he was ninety five when he passed, and he uh, he was he retired when he was sixty one years old. Wow! <laughs> so I mean, I guess he did things right. Okay, right. He was in the military for twenty two years, and then he was a school teacher for fifteen. And they, you know, and he retired, and so he lived comfortably for a long time as a retiree. And uh, anyway, so he passed, and I was the. I was not the executor of his estate, but I ended up being the the sibling who did everything. Okay, I don't know why, but I was I I did you know everything because you can. Well, I, you know, it took months and and, and I have four other siblings, and uh, so my father had all this traditional financial instruments that he he had, and I was trying to unravel all that with five beneficiaries. I contrasted that with what we did with Nelson passed in 2019 and what 
and, and, and contrasted not only numerically what it looked like between my dad and Nelson, but how much more uh, seamless and easy it was to provide that legacy from Nelson versus what my dad did. So it's pretty, it's a lot different. Traditional plans and then just being a designated beneficiary in a life mm -hmm. insurance contract. Oh, yeah. It's yep. huge. It's huge. And not only that, but, you know, some of, you know, some of these policies, that, you know, I, I figured out how much death benefit there were actually going to be, and every single one of them, the check was bigger. Yeah. I guess they're rebating premium and things like that. You know, I don't know, but it was just everything was just bigger. It's like, hey, that's what a surprise. That's better. <laughs> it only goes one way, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But yeah. So Well that was the last think tank. The one well, mm -hmm. the one previous to that I believe was uh virtual only because of uh the Wuhan flu. The one prior to that or uh, one or two prior to that. Twenty twenty. Was the last live one we did? Uh huh. Before the we did a virtual think tank in twenty twenty one. Okay, so was it 2020 or 2019? It might have been 2018. Nelson might have been here. I don't know. Uh, when you put all of your, your that was pads, 20. That was 2020. 2020. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was dang impressive. I'm sitting out in the audience. I'm looking around the 200 or however many people were there, and I'm like, who else has a colonies to do that? And none. Nobody. <laughs> well, you talk about all the, all the policy portfolios and whatnot, yes. and all the policy loans, yes. and all the cash surrender value, yes. and all the interest. Oh, not all the, the policy loans. Yeah. Like, oh no. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Well, you know, I don't want to take credit for that. You know, I want to blame that on Nelson. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> go. I want to blame, blame, I, I blame that himself on, here. <laughs> no, it was it was his fault. Okay, because. You know, I'll go back to the beginning here. Trust me. Right. It'll, it'll all come together. It'll... But I, I think that Nelson used Kim and I as a guinea pigs. Perfect. For all this. And, 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 and I'll give you an example. I have four children, and uh, the two youngest are twin, twin boys. And so each one of them has got, we're issued two policies. Nelson owned one, I owned one when they were born within like 30 days. And so we had identical twins. They weren't identical twins, but they were obviously everything. All the, everything was the same yeah. with the policy structure. And so what we did was, and, I, and you might you have to help me with this one because I don't know since I'm not a software guy. But when Nelson uh, was getting on and started giving away everything, it's like here, you know, here's here's my toolbox. I don't I don't need it anymore. Yeah, I'll take it. Here's your table. So yeah, I'll take it. Here's this. Yeah, I'll take it. Here's this policy. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, he was, he was, he, he, t he tell anybody he was in the process of, of, of getting rid of things. Yeah. Okay. So long story short is there was two policies in each twin. I own one, Nelson owned one, and he gave Kim the policies that he owned on the kids. And so we had, we had a baseline, four identical policies from the same insurance company issued the same time, same premium, same this, same that. Uh, we used one for policy loan activity and the other one we never touched. Okay. Well, and I don't know how we did it, but the ones that we use for policy loans, they're all a little bit a little bit stronger than the ones we never touched. And these are from a company that had what they had quote unquote direct recognition. Right. So I don't know how that happened because we, you know, we really didn't 
didn't know what we were doing. But uh, so we have, I have all that baseline. Uh, we had all kinds of policies I showed at the 2020 think tank. Um, and, uh, and when Nelson passed, and he's, and you know, Nelson used to say in the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, the grocery store was in there, obviously. And a lot of people said, why is he talking about the grocery store? Yeah. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? What's he talking about? Well, it's about owning a business, okay, and not stealing from yourself, i.e., own an insurance policy. Don't debilitate the growth of the policy, okay? So same thing, you know. <laughs> okay, so it's so anyway. Um, I had this. We, we had all these loans, you know. I, we spent a lot of money, you know, redoing a house, tons of loans. And Nelson would come over, and at first it was like, "Don't steal the peas, don't steal the peas, don't steal the peas." I.e., be an honest banker. Don't take out a policy loan unless you have a a plan for repayment. Yep. Where can you go in the free world right. and get a loan without a loan repayment? Yeah. I mean, no well, come on, have a plan. Don't just take the money out of the back door. Yeah. And so we were we were honest bankers. We were paying we were paying it back, but I didn't have we don't I don't take out a policy loan and then and then issue myself an amortization table and do a check every month. We just I dump 20,000 in now, boom. Okay, 40,000 in later on, boom, whatever. I just I don't it's not like okay, this is going to premium. This is going to loan interest. This is going to loan repayment. It's just like fifty grand, boom, and wherever it hits, it hits. Okay, it's good. It's good because it's, you know don't 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 major in the minors, right? It's good. Uh, right. So long story short, so he came. So he changed this. Nelson changed his story. Instead of saying don't steal a piece, he said, you know, you have got to have a place, okay, for windfalls. You do. If you don't have a place for windfalls, you're wrong. Because you're going to blow the money. Nelson, what are you talking about? I mean, so what he's talking about is like, you know, Kim owns several policies on, on Nelson. And when if he's, he's telling us in his own way he spoke. Yep. Okay, you know how Nelson, he kind of came from the back end. He <laughs> said, listen, if you get a death benefit on me, you better put it somewhere where you're not going to blow it. And it's going to it's going to. It's going to grow uninterrupted, compounding, whatever. And so, anyway, he comes comes to, the, to my house. He's every, we, we drank coffee every morning, you know, for a couple of hours every day. He lived a mile from me, and uh, he said, "He goes, how much do you have in outstanding policy loans?" And it's like, oh no, <laughs> here here it comes. And I said, five hundred thousand dollars. He said, "Good." <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that one enough. Yeah, good. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. And I, and that was all he said. And he, I mean, he didn't say so. He wasn't a, he he didn't go off at the mouth with stuff like that. It's yeah. just you know the you know, real important stuff was was very subtle communication, like good. Yeah. Because he wants you to figure out well, why is that good. Well, it's good. It, it was good because. You know, a five hundred thousand death benefit. The best place to put that, if you don't buy another policy and put it in premium, is to fill up that loan hole. Boom, hundred percent. Okay, it's the best place for it. Best and so, long story it. short, is that's what we did. And, and but there was a lot more than that because uh, the way the way it worked out. And so, well, can I? And, and I want to say that you know, the very first time I listened to Nelson. Uh, 
long time ago, but he 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 said then he said, well, I'm in the short rows, and he was 72, 73 years old. Yeah, you know, I'm in the short rows. I'm in the short rows, and then too, and I'm bringing that. I brought this up because this this gentleman David has some very, I mean, just incredible, powerful talks, and he's talking about two different ones but to tell the two dads is one and the other one you put up all of your slides yeah. but but let me go back and and uh, and say that you know if you had an outstanding loan of five hundred thousand, you went out and bought some goods and services with that money you know mm-hmm. it's not like you just borrowed money and went to blow it as as a place to put a windfall that nelson knew you had coming <laughs> right 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 so, I mean, if I was going to buy a boat, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have taken that money and, and bought a boat. I would have put the money in the policy and then the policy loan to buy the boat. Right. Okay. So I want to keep that money in circulation. You better my, hurry up, man. Boats know. are going up in price. Well, I think they're starting to go down, like RVs. I think they've crested. Oh. They're starting. To, they're starting to drop a little bit. You so. got to wait about. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So, so go go back to the beginning for us because the in well. Okay, back to the beginning. You know, you you know, you talk about like Nelson used to talk about serendipity a lot. You know, he'd get on an airplane, fly somewhere, he wouldn't have a rental car set up, he wouldn't have a hotel room set up, and he'd just end up running to somebody at the airport and say, Hey, Nelson Nash, come and stay with me. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> but anyway, no. So I uh, I was in the military, I was in the United States Army, and uh, in 1978, I was a second lieutenant in the Army, and uh, my first assignment was at Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. I thought that was, man, that was great. because I, I thought I was going to Germany because everybody was going to Germany back in the early 70s, late, mid-70s still, um, because that was the, quote-unquote, Cold War uh, area that we had a whole bunch of Army guys over there. Anyway, I got assigned to the 25th ID Infantry Division in Hawaii, and uh, which was fantastic. Went over there and got got into the unit. And after I was there for a couple of months, they told me this that I was sponsoring another lieutenant who was coming in, and the guy's name was Barry Nash, second lieutenant. I said, "Oh, great!" So they uh, they gave me his 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 home address, and I wrote a, wrote him a letter, and it was written, the home address was, was Rocky Ridge Road, Birmingham, Alabama. So I wrote a nice letter, hey, my name is Lieutenant Colonel David Stearns, and I'm going to sponsor you into the battalion, you know, this is the unit, this is where you're coming, this is, a, you know, this is what we do, da 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 and uh, here's my, my address, and here's the unit phone numbers and stuff, this is, you know, obviously way before we could instantly communicate. And um, and so you let me know when your 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 travel arrangements are. Let me know you know how you want if you want to live on post on the installation or if you want to live off installation. I'll start looking for some places for you to live and whatever. And so you know so anyway, I picked him up to the airport. I got him settled in. And we became, became good friends. And uh, and then every year, uh, I still think they do it. The 25th Infantry Division one one brigade goes to Korea for a big exercise called Team Spirit. Uh, they go in February, you know, from Hawaii, 85 degrees to like, you know, minus 20 in Korea. So we, <laughs> that year was our year. So we all loaded up in February and went to Korea for uh, for a month into Team Spirit. And, and and Barry kept saying, hey, you know, Dave, you know, my my family's coming to Hawaii to visit my dad and mom and my, my sister. He goes, you know, you need to meet my sister. I think you like her. <laughs> It's like no, no. And he, kept, he kept hounding me. No, no, no. And so we find, we flew back to Hawaii. And uh, anyway, his his sister Kim uh, 
asked her parents, uh, Mary and Nelson Nash, if they could stay, if she could stay for an extra couple of weeks with Barry. And, she, and Nelson said, "Yeah, you got an open ticket. Go ahead, and you can stay with him." And he lived in a in a two bedroom uh, apartment. And so I never met Barry, Mary and Nelson Nash at that time. They left, and he kept hounding me. Yeah, you need my sister. You need my sister. So finally, we all went out to lunch one day. And so long story short is we got engaged, and uh, I'd never had met Nelson and Mary still. We were in Hawaii, and uh, called them up and said, you know, we're getting married. And um, this was, this was uh, May. I think I, I think I knew her for maybe six weeks. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so, so like maybe it was, I think it was six weeks, and we decided we decided to get to marry get married in August. And this is August of 1979, uh, and the reason was because I wanted to live on the installation, and that's the, the greatest turnover was with people living on the installation. So quarters would would be available within a, you know a couple of weeks. So we got married on post. Uh, Mary. And Nelson flew over to Hawaii for the wedding, and they brought Kim's grand- grandparents with them. Mm. And so Kim's got a nice little place up on the North Shore. We went down to the airport. We picked him up, and I was pretty nervous because I never met Nelson Nash. Well, I knew <laughs> that he was an insurance uh, agent for a major New York insurance company, and that's all I knew about him. And, you know, we talked briefly before that, but that was it. And so we met at the airport, shook hands, and he, and he looked at me and says, he goes, you know, we got something to talk about this afternoon, so uh, uh, let's, let's find some time to talk. And it's like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know what he, obviously he wanted. He wanted to tell me, you know, take care of his daughter and that, uh, you know, I was not a Southern guy at that time. I was a, a Yankee, and so I didn't understand all the rituals about courting and things like that. So I broke every single rule in the book, <laughs> every rule in the book. And Nelson did all full of grace. So, well, what Nelson did was he, you know, oh he God. called up my parents <clears throat> and talked to my parents, and it was, it was more of an interview than a talk. And he asked them for references for me, for people who lived within the, like the southeastern part of the United States. You know, you know, not, not children or not people my age, but like adults who knew me <laughs> growing up and knew who I was now. And, he, and Nelson drove around the country. Well, he went, to, he went to Columbus, Georgia, and he went down to Montgomery, different places, and he actually interviewed <laughs> to, get, to get references on me. So anyway, when so, did you find this out? <laughs> much later, you know, like probably probably a year or two later. Oh, so right. so he did all that before before he uh, he came over. But anyway, so the talk we had, you know, he said he pulled me aside. We we need to talk, boy. The talk we had was he, he opened up his little he, one of his little briefcases and pulled out some paperwork and put it down in front of me and said, "Sign here." It was a it was an insurance policy. It was a whole life policy. It was not an IBC policy by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't remember anything about it. Uh, I was just happy to sign it because it was it was it was like a weight off my shoulders. I thought I was gonna, he was going to like, you know, uh, 
chastised me severely <laughs> for not going through the proper procedures and having the wedding in Hawaii and make them fly back out there. But anyway, yeah. so I signed it. I bought this policy, and of course, Kim was the beneficiary, and I was the insured. And and I, it was it wasn't a very big. It was something like I don't know sixty or eighty dollars a month or something. Uh, a whole life policy. That's legitimate. Nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. But we, I, you know, we ten thirty five that that policy. It was like I said, it wasn't even close to being an IBC policy. It was, it was, it wasn't much to play with. So that, that's why I met Nelson. Then we spent, we spent a week together in Hawaii, and I got to know him a little bit better. And uh, and he, you know, he was in the National Guard at that time. He was a CW four in the National Guard, and so I was a second lieutenant. So he wore his uniform, and I wore my uniform. So everybody was happy. So, I don't know what a CW four is. Chief Chief Warrant Officer four. He 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 flew uh, fixed wing in the uh, Army National Guard, twin engine aircraft. You know, um, I guess it was in 2020. Whenever you put your portfolio of policies up on the big screen, mm -hmm. I heard you say. Every time we had a baby, every time there's a change in our life, Nelson made us buy more policies. It's almost like cringing. He's going to make you buy another it was, policy. It was painful, you know. And after I, you know, I had never heard that. And after your talk, and, and this is at a think tank, right? I'm asking other people, did you hear, did you hear him say that? Did you hear him? And and I'm sure a lot of people heard it, but uh, not the people I asked if they had heard it. I mean, that was so uh, – it just made an impression upon me. Well, when I, when I say he made me, he didn't make us do it. I understand. But it was like, you know, we, you know, we loved – everybody loved each other. You know, we loved him. He loved Nelson. You know, we were all like, you know, we had a good relationship. And I didn't want to disappoint him. Right. But, you know, I'm in the military, and I'm – you know, you, you don't make much money. Okay, right. the military. Uh, we were really good with debt. We, you know, we always had a mortgage if we lived off the, off post. But still, I mean, up got 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 twins. Here we go. Here here he comes with some more apps, man. Like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you know. So so, yeah, it was it, it was painful. It really was. And of course, Nelson said, "Hey, listen, it only hurts, you know, because you're growing. You know, you, you got to have that pain, and once you get past the pain level." Then you're ready for some more pain, right? <laughs> That's how we ended up with with a whole bunch of policies. Of course, a lot of them, like like I said earlier, he, he graciously gave them to to my wife. Um, just like the rest, of, you know, all the, all his kids got got policies, yeah. all three of them. It just it just impressed me when I heard it. Of course, nobody wakes up. I want to go buy a life insurance policy. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've got children. Oh, let me go buy a life insurance policy. No, that's the best time to buy it. Right. The bad part. The bad part is, and you probably, I don't, I know you don't want to talk life insurance, but you can't get enough death benefit on a newborn. Right. Okay. I want to buy the biggest policy I can get. I want to pay the biggest premium I can pay. Yeah, but you didn't know that back then. No. Not, yeah, but now it's a different story. Now it's <laughs> right. now we do the same thing with grandchildren. Yeah. And my, my kids are doing the same thing. It's like, oh no, they got another kid. It's like, okay, you got it. Okay, we got two policies. I own one. You get it. You get one. I it's love like, that. Same thing. Oh no, I can't <laughs> afford it, Dad. I said, yes, you can. Don't get hurt for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah. You need to feel some of that pain. 
So <clears throat> yeah, it is. It is, it is tough. I, mean, I can talk about life insurance. I just don't want to mention all the companies' names, but um, you know, it's hard. I mean, because uh, I, I we hear that a lot. I hear it a lot. It's like, well, shouldn't I put this policy on my son or my daughter? They're younger. They're healthier. And it's like, no, no. You got to start on you. You got to start where you're at. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a proper way to expand across family and across generations, but. No, you you got to start on yourself. That's right. I mean, if you're if you're the breadwinner, man, you, you know you've got to load yourself up. And that's another thing too in the infinite banking footprint per se. Uh, you know, the death benefit is just overly diminished sometimes, in my opinion. You know, I get it. We're solving for cash. We want a high cash value, but you know, if you're a young, if you're if you have a family, especially if you have a young family member. Mm-hmm. You know, you you need death you benefit. Need to, you need death benefit, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, life insurance really doesn't come any other way, so it's okay to. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you'll solve all your needs for death benefit, but you know, you shouldn't start out with pennies on the death benefit. No, you, you need you need a you need it you need a big base too. Mm-hmm. You know, and also, you know, if you want to buy a whole bunch of stuff on your kids, guess what? You better own a whole bunch of stuff on yourself. Yeah, and if you want to buy a whole bunch of stuff on your grandchildren, guess what? So the the kids, their parents better be loaded up, too. <laughs> and if you want to buy something on your parents, the first thing the underwriter is going to have, well, how much do they already have? And why? Are you going to kill them? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, so there, there's yeah. a suitability in the life insurance industry, and then we all have a certain amount of uh, – we're all limited in insurability. And so there are requirements whenever you're buying life insurance on someone else. There must be an insurable interest in their – you know uh, – they have to have a certain amount, like you're saying, as a parent to buy policies on a grandchild. Oh, the underwriter's like, well, if something happens to the grandparent, I mean, to the parents, what's what's going to happen to the grandchild? So, I mean, rightly so, for a grandchild to have coverage, a parent has to have coverage, and then the grandparent can have coverage. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Uh, Load them all up, man. That's the key. Yeah. It's not that hard. So, here you are. Um, I mean, if you were... In the army, in 1978. Here it is, you know, 2022. And you said earlier, you got some things in underwriting. And I don't want to be too personal, but you're still buying life insurance. Is really where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. Here, all these years later, mm-hmm. and early on, it was like, oh my gosh, here comes Nelson again. He's going to make us buy another policy. <laughs> no, I had I had my son uh, a couple of months. You know, my son just got out of the military and he moved to Birmingham, and. Uh, and I, I, I hold him down to uh, our, our local agency to get him in the process to get, get his, his kids through underwriting. And I hint, plus, he needs more on him since he's now out of the military. He had that SGLI death benefit, yep. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're still, we're still active. I'm, I'm, I'm behind where I need to be um, because just, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, from a personal perspective, we're at the point where we don't, you know, we don't, you know, we don't owe anybody anything. I don't, I don't have any debt at all because we we financed our own debt for years and years and years, paid it off, filled up the hole with the windfalls, and and now it's just like, you know, yeah, you know, I don't have the, I don't have the urge to create more capacity. I guess is what I'm trying to say. More capacity with more policies, but I, I need I need another substantial one on myself, and uh, we we got a couple of other grandchildren we got to we got to load up too. Well, man, make it happen, get it done. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, I've been talking about it for a while. So, all right. So, look, y'all met and got married. I mean, you know, Kim and Mary was really the only reason I've been going to Birmingham the last eighteen years. But uh, mm-hmm. so Nelson obviously accepted you as his yeah. son-in-law. And uh, yeah, so bring us up to date. I mean, that's a long time ago. So you just traveled the world, the military, you know, expanding the empire. We traveled the world. Uh, we. Um, Stayed in the army probably too long. Um, we were at, we were in Atlanta, Georgia, in 1998, and uh, I was assigned to Third uh, Army there. And Third Army was part uh, Army Central Command, as part of CENTCOM, which was the big war fighting headquarters that procreated the war in the, in Southwest Asia. Yeah. Okay. So I was part of the Army uh, CENTCOM component in 1998. And we're, I, I picked Atlanta because I figured, hey, listen, we'll retire in Atlanta. I'll do something. You know, there's, there's so many opportunities there. So, uh, but I was gone all the time to Kuwait. Egypt, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I was never, I could never get any traction locally, you know, because I was always gone. And so a job, a reserve component job, I was active duty, but a reserve component job opened up in Birmingham with the local reserve uh, facility where I'd be one of the permanent party guys. And I said, well, this is, we'll go there uh, and I'll retire in Birmingham instead of Atlanta. And uh, this is 2000 now. And if I tr- if I if I do a permanent change of station to Birmingham from Atlanta, I'll owe the army another year to to you know pay for that move. And so, you know, of course Nelson was elated that we're moving to Birmingham sure. because he loved the grandchildren, uh, he loved Kim, and just really you know elated. And so we found a house about two miles from where they live, and uh, moved there. And uh, 2000 was when Nelson wrote BYOB becoming your own banker and he said you know Dave you know uh, when are you getting out of the army <laughs> I said well you know I just got here and I got I owe him a year and so so 9-11 comes comes across boom and so that that was like a year later we moved we moved in uh, in August of 2020 and then September 2020 not 2020, 2000, and 2001, 9-11. Yeah. So that, that basically stabilized me for another, like, three years. And he kept saying, when are you getting out? When are you getting out? He goes, I need help. I need help. Because back then, you know, he, he, he Nelson would do these seminars, his 10-hour seminar, and he'd talk about things like weed eaters and stuff like that and grocery stores and you know things that say what are you, what's he talking about but anyway um, <laughs> and then and then you know then somebody said you know everybody cannot go to your seminar because he he only did them for about you know 20 to 30 people so he took all his notes and all his stuff together and he put it together and he, he turned into this book that we all know about and and so he and he and he, he ordered like he he said how many he asked me how many books do you think I should order for my first thing and it was like 250 maybe <laughs> i mean you know because every, you know it's just like 
<laughs> anyway, so so a couple of a couple of insurance agents that he knew in the business uh, read the book and they said, "Man, you were, I think this this is this is pretty good. You know, I think it's, I think it gets some traction here." So he started selling the books, selling them, selling them, selling them. And when somebody would would call him up and they'd order ten books or whatever. And he'd have like a, an hour conversation with him when they call him up because he was so appreciative. And so he was so overwhelmed with having conversations with people. And then when it got to the point where he was going to process these orders, he would type out like a thank you letter, <laughs> address it to each person and wow. sign it. And then kind of pack the books up. It took, I mean, it took him all day to do this. And, and so, and he places, he's still, his seminars picked up, he's picking up, picking up. And so he said, You need, you, I said, I need some help. You need, you need, you know, you need to help me. I said, Okay, fine, we'll help you out. And so I went from, you know, buying that first policy in 1979. Um, and, in 2004 yeah. is when I started working with Nelson full-time, okay? And uh, and so, and we just, I mean, we worked we worked together closely. Uh, we did our first think tank in 2005. We had eight people there um, at the local Courtyard Suites or something like that in Birmingham, eight people. And um, and Nelson was, you know, he was, you know, he started really picking up on his seminars. But uh, and then we, then we started ordering books. We were ten thousand at a time. Ooh, two fifty. It was like five pa- <laughs> five pallets of books would come in. And so anyway, I mean, we, you know, BYOB is still, you know, sells like crazy, and. I was, you know, I was I was a thorn in Nelson's side when it comes to when it came to BYOB because I was one of the first get first people that said, Nelson, you know, how accurate are these numbers? <laughs> <laughs> because not not oh not because God. I didn't trust him because he worked with 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 you know actuaries and underwriters and whatever to make sure all his illustrations were, you know, done you know at, at a home office level. But I was talking about like you know, enforced illustration today versus one next year. Yeah, and so that's why the fifth edition is because we kept chasing our tail, updating the book, and finally the light came on. And you know, Nelson, you know, he kept saying the numbers are not that important, the illustrations aren't that important. What's important is understand the concept, you know, understanding the problem. In understanding what a solution would look like, and you know, and so I said, you're, I said, you're right. And so the very last thing we did was that that fifth edition it had that. If you go to equipment financing, it had that that uh, addendum, illustration number six, illustration number six, and he took the same policy, and what did he do? Pay he, one more year. He premium. funded it for one more year, and it it, it performed. That was a, but that was in 2010, that addendum. 
that, illustration number six. That that was so you're running him through the ringers on the numbers of, and the agents were too at the time because they. <laughs> I remember Nelson would say, "No, you know these agents are giving him a hard time. You can't do that today. No, you can't do that today." They, they give him a hard. They still they give me a hard time too. Still, they they call up and they say, "Listen, what company did you run these illustrations oh, for?" Oh my gosh! You know he goes, I, "You know I I try to duplicate this and I, I can't even come close to the numbers." I said, "Well, what's the what's the dividend scale today?" Well, and, see, and I've talked about that, too, that the, the dividend scale has come down since then, no question, but the CSO tables have changed three times. And then three we times. had the 7702 yeah. change January yeah. 1 of 2022. Oh, I, I, oh, that's a different story completely there. Boom. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about like before that. You're right. Yeah. You know, and being, being a consumer, not a life insurance guy, you know, I said, listen, show me something better. Okay, I don't care if, it, if 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 this doesn't look as good as it used to look. If you if you use it correctly, it's going to perform better than anything else. Period. Okay, unless unless you're like doing something illegal, you know. But you mean like a member of government? I'm sorry. But the seventy seven or two thing. That's the, I don't you know that's something totally different. No, no, I'm just saying the art the the uh, and I want to go back too because Nelson was giddy. I I came around. I don't remember the first think tank I went to. It was the second or third one, I think. Um, and I don't remember. I'm not sure where it was. It might have been in Little Rock, somewhere in northwest Arkansas. Rogers up around there. I'm not sure. But he was giddy that that you were going to like really really stay and work with him back then he was giddy well you know at first i i thought i'd get licensed okay because nelson was in production all the way to the very end but yeah. he just did fam his families all he did right he came out of production when he printed mm -hmm. the book in 2000 right other than family or just was he still his family i mean yeah. he wouldn't he wouldn't he didn't take any clients yeah but he'd, he'd do family and he had i mean he had existing uh, some existing clients he worked with still, yeah. But but yeah, he 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 stayed active with that. But he he never mastered the the uh, the computer. It was like all all the apps were were done with pencil. So. <laughs> That's all right. A lot of agents now still use paper apps. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the life insurance companies are just getting into twenty first century. So yeah. So yeah. So we spent a lot. You know. You know Nelson. You know he's got he's got his son that I, you know Barry. We talked about him, but he's a doctor, so he was you know totally vested in his career. He had a, another daughter besides Kim, and she was doing her thing. And he wanted to, he wanted to keep this thing going. Okay, he didn't want he he wanted to keep it in the family and keep it going, and uh, because he was he he just thought that. Yeah, that there, there, there's so many problems out there, okay, and and this this was a solution to a financial uh, problem that was created by you know we we can we can go to that rabbit hole if you want to, but man oh man I mean there's so many I mean, between between the United States government qualified plans between the Wall Street monetization and financialization of everything uh, and then the insurance companies were ashamed of their product set yeah Ralph neighbor shamed them okay and they can they came up all this, these crummy products whatever he he saw this he was a, he he Nelson thought that that permanent whole life product was the was the gold standard it is okay I, it still the is gold standard there, yeah. 
And if the company was was managing their portfolios correctly and they weren't, you know, like some companies didn't apparently. But they'd uh, hire the the you, Wall Street MBA guys you, and come in there yeah. and demutualize and you know, get paid their big bonuses and gold standard, man. Boom. You can't you know, you talk about I was at the think tank this year, you know, I showed those two policies Nelson bought on himself. Okay. I'm remember right. those? I was there. Uh, I he, was, he was like he, he was like the first one. He was fourteen. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah the second yeah. one, he was sixteen. Yeah. And his parents were the beneficiaries on policies that he bought on himself. I don't know where he, where he came up with that, but uh, well, I Nelson told me at one time that he, when yeah, he was thirteen, when the first policy was purchased, and his daddy told him like when he was fourteen. I guess it's like here, boy. This is yours, mm-hmm. and he, his and daddy, made him pay for it. It was like ten dollars and forty-five cents. Yeah, uh, premium or something like that. And, and you know, and I asked Nelson one time, and I know I'm sure you have too, but it's like Nelson, why life insurance? You know, mm-hmm. why life insurance? And he said, James, uh, the best advice he ever received was from life insurance agents over his lifetime. I'm like, wow. Makes you feel good about that, huh? Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, it kind of does because I—I I mean, I—I I feel like as a life insurance agent that you have to have a broad knowledge, right? Uh, but it, it also has to be a deep knowledge on this, you know, breadth here. So it's not like if I—and I'm not—I'm just explaining how I feel, right? If you're a physician and it's you know you got to have a broad knowledge of medicine, no question. Then you have a specialty; it's got to be very deep. I mean, the life insurance agent today, um, they have to have a broad and deep knowledge, you know. And I think that that was apparently true back then too. Well, I think I I think I'm this is a guess on my part. I think that a lot of the agents were were, were knew knew a lot more about their product back then than they do now. Yeah, and that the companies were were more in tune to training them properly. And it was a respected product, and uh, they weren't ashamed of being life agents. Right. Okay. I mean, you know, what we find now is that, from our perspective, with Ann and I, when we, you know, people apply, agents will apply for a program or training program, and we'll interview them, and, and some of them don't have a clue about the, about their product sets and whatnot. Yeah. You know. Can they run an illustration? No. See, you know, so those are the ones that are rejected, right? Those are not the ones well, that the N and I opens their arms and welcomes them with love. Yeah. Come on, in. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we we have to trust what they tell us, sure. But you know, some some folks will say, you know, I, you know, who you contracted with, how, how how experienced you are with their product set, who runs your illustrations, have you done any IVC type policies before? Yeah. Do you own any of yourself? Mm. What does your loan portfolio look like mm. for your product set? I mean, it's like, hey, man, I'm I'm creating a place. I'm I'm coming. I got a windfall coming. I'm creating a place to put the money. <laughs> the, the, I mean, yeah, hey, and you and say, well, you know, I work with I work with the home office on on illustrations. It's like, so you don't know how to do it? Yeah. Um, no. I said, well, there's, I want to say me. It's it's, it's Carlos Lauer, Robert Murphy, and I. We you know yep. we. We vote about bringing them on. It's like, well, if you don't understand what's going on with your product set, how are you going to support your your clientele? If you don't own one, what are you even talking about? <laughs> it's crazy. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's just nuts. You know. 
you know, and you kind of mentioned Ralph Nader, you know, the consumer advocate. This is mm-hmm. back in the 80s when they were, you know, you got a whole life's bad and, and uh, all the uh, A.O. Williams and all those guys, Van mm-hmm. Capsule, they're all shredding the life insurance companies. Oh, this is, you know, terrible. And, and when, in fact, the uh, Wall Street was all in because they wanted the companies to demutualize and they wanted to get at the stock companies and all their cash reserves, kind of like what's going on today. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, uh, the, the life insurance industry had no defense. It was a pitiful defense. And I think if you look at the companies that were, when they had the hearings, you know, on the, when, when, when you come to the mech. Uh, so, Wall Street, I think, colluded with the term promoters and people like Ralph Nader, you know, to, to attack the life insurance companies, say this is a terrible product, you can't figure out what the rate of return is, or you could do this. Well, in fact, uh, and, they, and they really zeroed in on uh, single premium life insurance at the time, mm-hmm. and then we got the MEC rules, modified endowment contract, that they changed yeah, tax treatment. yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, the bonds couldn't compete with the life insurance company. Mm-mm. You know, the mar- I mean, they couldn't compete with whole life insurance, my opinion. Right? And then you look at all those guys that showed up to defend the life insurance industry right, in front of Congress and the Senate hearings. And you look at how many of those companies demutualized right after they came out with the qualified plans, you know, the Keogh plan, the Keogh yep. plan in the yep. late 80s. And you can't say that all of that happened in a vacuum. It was collusion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So even the even the president and CEOs of those life insurance companies, when they demutualize and then they walk away with all these kinds of stock options and bonuses, and you know who loses in that? The consumer. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're still, yeah. um, you still have that kind of mindset lingering. Really, I I, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but you know, forty and up in age, you know, you kind of got to. Life insurance kind of has a bad connotation oh, yeah. to it. Oh, yeah. And Nelson would say, you mentioned the word life insurance, and your mind was shut like a steel door. Kaboom. Yeah. And, you know, so. And they just don't know, you know. They don't, they they don't, I mean, I didn't know. Right. I, I didn't know how good it was. You know, and Nelson, I told you, he worked for a New York-based major mutual insurance company, and they demutualized in 90... 91 I believe 91 and he would and he was a top of the table guy every year and yeah. he used to go to these conferences and he'd say you guys are killing you're killing yourselves and they'd shout him down and say you know what you're talking about and so he moved his 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 uh his contract to a different company after that yeah. and so <clears throat> you know the the I mean we we had conversation all the way to the airport from the airport but generally before we turn the mics on you know all i say is i try to avoid mentioning life insurance companies names anything that you don't you know want to say or um but I, i'm i'm going to throw it out there that was axa i mean i'm sorry it was equitable life insurance society that demutualized the french company axa bought them right right and you know a couple of years ago axa spun them off right and and and, and i brought it up to a couple of uh insurance uh ceos i'm like what a great story it would be if Equitable Life Assurance Society would remutualize. I don't even know how that would happen. I don't know. But that would be a great well, story. I still own Equitable. I still. I have. Uh, you speak French? I'm kidding. No, I have. I don't. I think Kim owns 
I'm, I think I have two or three, two policies with them, and Kim's got a couple still. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, it's a, there's, still, uh, there's, there's, you know, there's still a permanent whole life product. That's right. With yeah, yeah. Nice dividend still, believe it or not. I, I wouldn't get rid of it. I mean, I'd buy it from you if you want to sell it. No, maybe. I, don't, I don't believe in that. <laughs> I don't either. I don't. I don't believe in stuff like that. You know, I got it. I'm keeping it. <clears throat> That's the way it should be. It does no one the uh, insured or the owner of a policy, especially insured. It does then it. It's not good for them to sell a life insurance policy. It's nuts. You know, the life insurance company, that's a question on every application. You know, have you sold a life insurance policy? Do you do you plan on selling this life insurance policy? Because they look at it as selling your mortality. And if you're honest on the application, you'll never get another policy from a, no. a big, reputable never company. Never do that. All right, so, uh, and I don't mean to go back and forth, but... Um, you want to get personal still? Huh? You want to get personal if you want to, sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm game. I, no. uh, you know my 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 ninja's kinetic though. If it gets too, <laughs> I'm kidding. So, so, I'm sorry I interrupted you. What, what was your what was your transition question? I, I was just going to kind of go back to the uh, you know Nelson getting beat up on the illustrations and the numbers, and you mm-hmm. you know being uh, part of that. No, I mean you know yeah. holding him to task, right? Well, I. I it came from me because uh, it came from my army background. Okay, I was a army aviation guy, helicopter guy, helicopter pilot, and I believed in standardization. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have a standard. You train to a standard, okay, and you have to establish a standard. Uh, and so, was IBC standardized? In the insurance terminology for that, I think it's compliance. I and, don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, I don't know if you want to get into that or not, but Nelson, I'm fine with that. Nelson would turn beet red when I, when I would say, we need to take this book and we need to get it through compliance. Oh. So it's standardized. That way, that way all these big insurance companies in, out of New York and Massachusetts would love would, and love, would love it. Yeah. So David and I went a little long, so we're going to make this into two parts. Thank you for listening to part one. We'll continue in part two where we left off. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.